I'm talking today with Rob Paulson, uh, renowned uh, actor, uh, primarily known for voice acting in animated uh, TV and films and video games. Uh, so how are you doing today, Rob? You know, I'm breathing and I'm not in jail, but the day's not over yet, Brett. <laughs> Greetings from the water tower. How are you, bud? I'm doing good. You're in uh, L.A.? I am, uh, just okay. northwest of L.A. I live in a little okay. town called Agoura Hills, which is in the Santa Monica Mountains in the Malibu area. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't been, uh, I've only been to the airport in California, the L.A. Well, airport. That is, in itself, quite an experience. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> just, just in a terminal, really, but I'm yeah. in California, so. And where do you live? Uh, outside Chicago. Oh, great, cool. I I'm, from Michigan. I'm from Michigan yeah. originally, so I know the Detroit. whole area. I got my... Got my Tigers hat on, yeah. One of my favorite um, uh, logos. And, and, uh... Hey, man, I got to say, and I mean, I, I love, you know, look, I'm a sports nut. I, I yeah. uh, as a Lions fan, I can, I am the living embodiment of the phrase long-suffering. But um, you guys <laughs> in Chicago know all about champions. The Blackhawks logo is one of the coolest logos in sports. Um as is the Red Wing. I think the Red Wing is a killer logo, but I got to say, the script, D, yeah. is really cool. You don't even have to be a Tigers fan to dig that. And um, No, I always always like to, I, I think because I grew up as kind of a Yankees fan because my grandfather, so uh -huh. they, Detroit had a similar look. Yeah, Yankees, and also the Mets. Those are also cool yeah. Um, cool logos. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm a, I agree. I mean, it's obviously I'm a native son of, of Motown, but yeah. uh, I... I it, if I can be as objective as possible, uh, the Blackhawks logo, um, Red Wings, uh, Detroit uh, Tigers. Um, I also and I, I I love the Maple Leaf logo. Okay. Simple, but it's yeah. everybody. You know exactly what you're looking at. Right. Um, and the colors, dark blue and orange, are the Bears colors. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I like them all. Yeah. Um, when did you leave? When did you leave uh, the Detroit area? Uh, well, I was born there, and, and we ultimately left to you know move another spot in Michigan to another spot in Michigan when I was I don't know ten. But I came out here to LA to ply my trade in 1978. So I have been here for wow. 42 years, and I've ended up being a blue collar worker in the Dream Factory, and I'm pretty pretty damn proud of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been a lot, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've been around. I'm like an old shoe or a herpes sore, depending upon how gross you want to be. Um, but uh, the cool thing about my gig, Brad, as you can imagine, is um, when I was a kid in my 20s, um, or maybe 30, not 28, and I had already been in L.A. for six, seven years doing TV, music, movies, the normal stuff. My background is theater, improv, like the typical run-of-the-mill actor, a uh, lot of music. Um, lots of rock and roll. Um, but when I got here, although I ended up doing animation, it wasn't the ostensible reason that I came here to work. Right. Uh, I have, like many others, um, found a way to live that axiom that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Um, I ended up getting lucky because I moved to L.A. N nobody would have seen me do what I do in Michigan and then say, Hey man, you're really good at this, this, and this. You're a, you're a good actor. You know, you you got some chops. You got a long way to go. But you ever thought about doing animation? And of course I had, but it wasn't the reason I came here. But because I was here, 
that door opened. And I'm yeah. so glad it did because when I was a kid, uh, as you're first starting out, it's all about how you look. Do you look like you could be so-and-so's brother? Um, are you short enough to be so-and-so's boyfriend? You know, what, whatever. Um, but when I stepped into that first animation session, it was for G.I. Joe. Uh, and then subsequent to that, I got Transformers. But the first thing I noticed was all these wonderful actors, many of whom I recognized from episodic television growing up, who were completely unencumbered by their visage. Nobody gave a shit what they looked like. You know, they're, they're just playing the absolutely yeah. purest form of acting. The reason actors become actors, because you, hey, my mom has some costumes let's put on a show it's really was that simple yeah. and so to not be judged by this and not have your whether or not you get a job do be due in large part to this mm -hmm. was incredibly freeing and now in my 60s i'm working every day and i'm still not judged on the way i look so i'm really grateful that not only the opportunity presented itself but that i had the type of ego that said, I'm shit, I don't care if people recognize me, I want to work, you know, so it's it's been a good choice. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that does become the thing, and it does become a, um, a moment where you have to kind of, like, is it, is it, even though it wasn't why you get, went out there, you still realize it's acting, it's work. Um, probably coming yeah. from the Midwest, too, helps the, um, you know, the, the work routine, too. Oh, man. The... Brett, no, not not being born in LA to in the house. You, my friend, you have you have taken the words right out of my mouth, and I have said that I I don't even hundreds of times in interviews over my life. There is to be sure, and I know I'm talking to a, a son of Chicago. There is absolutely to be sure something to be said for that Midwestern Rust Belt work ethic vibe obviously there are people all over the country who work really hard but man I, I have to say i've got a bunch of other friends out here from detroit tim allen dave coulier um it, just a lot of you know great talents every one of them didn't know anyone just like me when i came here yeah. and none of us expected it to be easy whatever that means but we mainly understood uh, that no one forced me to be here. The, the, right. the question I get from people who are creative and who want to become actors is, oh my gosh, isn't it hard? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it, it motivates my soul. You know, I, I do it because I can't not do it. Um, hard is, you know, being a beat cop in Chicago in the winter. Yeah. Hard is pouring hot tar on a freeway in August. Um, Hard is running a farm. Hard is trying to keep a business alive during COVID. That's hard. But yeah. nobody shoves a gun in anybody's mouth to be an actor. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you come yeah. out here or you go to New York or you go to Chicago and you're broke and you don't get the hundredth audition in a row that you, you've done and you still don't get it. Well, is it hard? I, I guess. But it's your choice. One hundred percent. And that was what motivated me that growing up with that ethos and that type of family who said, look, dude, you won the lottery just by being born in the United States to right. parents who love you 
and are willing to, you know, feed, clothe, and educate you, you're on your own, but it's up to you to go get it. So it was drilled into me lovingly from the time I was born that this country, you know, millions of people try to come here all the time to do what you've been given the opportunity to, you can just go wherever you want. You don't have to worry about a new language, money, what, all you got to do is get out there and try it. And so it never occurred to me uh, that, oh, poor me, or this is too hard or whatever. And that's not to say that people who try stuff say, eh, not for me, I'm going to change my mind. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to say, yeah, okay, it's challenging. So what? Go at, you know, stick at it until you change your mind. And so I, you will, you are preaching to the choir with respect to the Midwestern work ethic. It's the truth. Yeah. Speaking to that though, and your parents obviously supported you, but was there any pushback at first? Like, oh yes. (laughs) Oh yes. Tremendous. You're you're from Michigan. (laughs) I know. I'm the oldest in my family, uh, oldest child. And I still remember Brett, the day that I came home after my first year at U of M. I primarily wanted to be a U of M student because I just wanted to go to, you know, football games at M Stadium. Yeah. By the way, if you've never been to a football game at Michigan Stadium, you don't even have to be a college football fan. Yeah. It is a miraculous experience to be with 105,000 people in an enclosed space. It's just the best. Anyway, so after my first year, I came home and I sucked it up. I had already been bitten by the performance bug. Um doing a lot of, you know, music, theater. Um, And I came home and I sat down with my parents and I said, I'm wasting your money and my time. As much as I love Ann Arbor, as much as I love the whole thing, I want to be in the moving picture business. And I think it's time for me to go to L.A. And my father especially. And I understand why, because now my son is a college graduate, married up. Okay. Um, And as I said, I'm the oldest in my family. So the example is something that they wanted to set. Uh, first one to go to college? Yeah. Uh, well, the first, not in my family. No, my dad went to college. But Okay. Uh, uh, first. Because that would have been an even bigger deal. Yes. Um, no, that was not the case. And yes, it would have been even worse. But I, I, uh, I, they were measured, clearly not happy, but not, you know, screaming at me. They said the pat answer which is look get your degree then right and i understand that i said you know what no i've been on the road now uh i had actually joined a theater i'm sorry i had been doing live music live theater in high school and all that and uh i had an opportunity during the summer after my first year at michigan to join a theater company that i had auditioned for unbeknownst to my parents and i'd gotten accepted and they wanted me to come to LA to join them and go on the road. Um, and so I made that decision and I was obviously old enough to make it and my parents were pretty philosophical. They were like, look, we love you and there'll always be a place for you to stay, not forever, but um, you do understand that the money that follows you to Ann Arbor does not follow you to California, right? You I mean, you know right. that you are old enough to be drafted, you're old enough to vote, but you're also old enough to make your decisions, which don't necessarily include whatever we're sending to pay for your college. And I thought, well, I thought you were going to say that, but I get it. Yeah. And so off I went. Um, 
And to my dad's credit, many years later, I remember in the house we're in right now, he took me aside and he said, well, sure as hell glad you didn't listen to your old man. <laughs> um, and all my siblings went to college. So oh, that's it, good. it all worked out fine. It, it didn't um, give them the, the, bad, uh, the, the wrong idea. That's right. And, and <laughs> your, your, your point is an excellent question because it usually is the case that yeah. youngsters get pushed back from their parents um, because they get that the odds are astronomical. Um, and uh, what I tried to explain to my parents was, look, I, I really am so driven to do this now. Uh, I look at it as if I don't go now, um, I, I may have to try if, and, and I wait till later, I may have a relationship that I gotta be right. uh, uh, sensitive to. I may have more financial encumbrances. Right now, all I've got, like a lot of us, is my dream and my drive. And I can be selfish and think about what, what I gotta do. Yeah. Um, I can always go to school later. That's the way I looked at it. Um, and as it happens, it worked out for me. Um, and I honestly don't think I would do anything different. I'm really glad that I came when I was very young. Um, and I know a lot of people who come after college, it would have been, you know, I could get out here at 23 or 24. That's, that's fine too. But for me, I just wasn't as driven to get a degree per se, as I was to do practical experience. I wasn't interested in the theater degree. I didn't want to teach a degree in theater. While I would never suggest that it will harm you, it doesn't, it's not like you get a degree in, in acting, even from Yale or and you bring it into your audition. Right. Oh, you're, you're, a, you're a proven right. accredited actor. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But okay, great. Do you, do you fit the suit? You know, yeah. are you tall enough? Are you short enough? Are you white enough? Are you black enough? It's all the stuff we discussed earlier. So um, it was the right decision for me and my parents, to their credit, were very supportive emotionally. They, would, yeah. they said, look, you know, we're not going to let you starve, but don't call every other week for another three, 400 bucks. Um, right. It's not going to happen. And it didn't. And so... Midwestern work ethic. I'd had a job since I was 14. Right. So I got to LA. The money I came with was spent when I found an, an apartment. First and last month's rent, I was broke. Next day, I got a job. I mean, I just, it was part of the deal. It wasn't like, oh my God, I'm broke. It was, well, yeah, you're here now. You don't know anybody. I, get, I reckon you better get a job. It was, yeah. that's, it's like, that's what you do, you know? Yeah. Um, so All right, I gotta um, ask, what, where yeah. was your first apartment? My first apartment was in Redondo Beach, um, uh -huh. literally across the street from the ocean. Didn't have an ocean wow. view, but the, it was a large complex and um, had an, uh, get this, a one bedroom apartment across the street from the Pacific. Not an ocean view, but walk across the street, uh, 360 bucks a month. Um, which is which, a lot in, in, in uh, what, late 70s? It was a lot because I, I came out with a buddy of mine from Michigan because he wanted to check out LA and he ended up leaving after about six months, but we came out here together. And so my part of that was 180 a month and I had a hundred dollar a month car payment and that was pretty much it. Plus, you know, food. Right. And um, I'm lucky that my dad taught me how to be fairly handy around the house. I can you know, put in a new faucet, toilet, fix stuff. And so, I was, I went, it was a big apartment complex and bless her heart, Betty Peterson, sweet lady who uh, managed the unit, the building. 
I went to her one day and I said, Mrs. Peterson, um, I don't know if you're looking for somebody to clean apartments or fix things or whatever, you know, clean apartments when somebody moves and prep it for the next family, but I'm pretty handy and I'm willing to try this for a month and see if you pay me, I don't know, eight bucks an hour or whatever, and I'll keep track of the hours and you can take that off my rent. I'm an actor. And instead of waiting tables, it would be great if I could work right here in the complex. And as long as the work got done, I could go on auditions. It was a long way from Hollywood. A lot easier. Yeah. And it worked out great for two years. I cleaned apartments, um, you know, fixed screen doors, faucets, leaky toilets, whatever it was, in exchange pretty much every month for rent. So, um, you know, necessity is the mother invention, and, and it works. Yeah. Good. Good. Thanks. Let me let me ask you about um, one of the first credits that, that kind of interested me, just because I'd like to hear your experience making it. Uh, okay. you, you did, um, you know, some live action stuff, uh, mostly in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you were a cameraman. <laughs> body double. On body double. Yeah. How how, how was that experience? And, and oh man. That recently, and I'd. I wish I knew that you were in it because I would have looked for you closer. Oh, please. It's not a big deal. Um, Do you have any lines in it? I did. Um, yeah. In fact, I had more than the lines that ended up. There was, as typically, you know, they shoot a lot of stuff and yeah. I ended up in the movie, but uh, with a smaller... It's an interesting story how that came about. I was doing, as you suggested, live action. I'd already done a half a dozen features and uh, episodic television, MacGyver, St. Elsewhere... Um, love American style, amazing stories, a pilot on camera commercials. And so another audition, I went to read, I think, I want to say, was it Fox or Paramount? I don't remember, maybe Paramount. I don't remember, but I uh, went to read. Um, Brian De Palma had uh, just had um, pretty great success and a lot of uh, controversy around... Um, um, Scarface? Yes. And there were a lot of, I remember the LA Times was suggesting, wow, the violence is, it really should be rated. Yeah, this is before NC-17 or somewhere between R and X. And um, I remember Mr. De Palma, the quote was something like, well, geez, if you guys want an X-rated movie, I'll give you one. And so <laughs> Body Double was the follow-up right. Scarface. So I went and read for it and I got home and there was a message on my phone machine saying, wow, you did a great job. Uh, Brian De Palma really likes you. Uh, the part you read for is not the part they want to use you for, but you got a job. You're going to be working on the show for, I don't know, three or four days next week. Great. Location is down, is uh, in Hollywood. Off you go. Um, and so I ended up being a, uh, I, as you recall, the movie's about a murder mystery surrounding the, the porn movie industry. Right. So it's already a little bit dark. Um, yeah. And Craig Wasson, Melanie Griffith, mm -hmm. uh, and in my sequences, I played a, a cameraman uh, shooting a, a porno, a, a, a pornographic movie. Right. And the guy who played the director to my cameraman in these scenes was um, Al Israel, who in Scarface was that nasty badass guy who was a chainsaw guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the reasons the, the other time. as a kid that I always thought was more gruesome than it really oh. was because I would look away. Oh, God. What's in, in your head than what actually yes. showed. 
Yes, totally. And I remember watching, you know, Scarface because I really enjoy Brian De Palma's. You know, he's Brian De Frickin' Palma. He's a great yeah. director. Um, and I, I, uh, when I got to the set, I didn't know that Al Israel had been cast in in my scenes. And I, I go to uh, makeup, and I thought, and the first thing I said was, "Oh my God, you're the guy from Scarface." Yeah, how you doing? I'm Al Israel. Nice to meet you. Who are you? I said, I'm Rob. I'm the, oh, you're the kid who's the camera, uh, cameraman. We're going to be working together. And I thought, oh, my God, this is great. Um, <laughs> but I, I, when we started working, yeah. I, I didn't, because it wasn't the part I auditioned for. When I got there, I had to be kind of uh, filled in on what was going on. Yeah. I didn't realize that they actually had used real uh, porno actors as extras in these yeah. particular sequences. And so we're in this closed set. It was just me, Steve Burham, who's a wonderful uh, DP. Yeah. He's done, I think he's done pretty much all of um, Mr. De Palma's work, but Steve Burham is a, a, a wonderful director of photography. Yeah. And uh, it was De Palma, Burham, Al, uh, I think Melanie and me and the uh, extras, and that was it, a close set, not a bunch of lighting people and all that. And I didn't realize it, but it was for the following reasons. They get saying, okay, folks, let's get ready. And all of a sudden, I see the porn extras start fluffing, start getting ready. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, this is not at all what I expected. <laughs> I'm a 27, 28-year-old kid from Grand Blanc, Michigan. My, oh, my God, what about my parents? It really did. It started going through my mind, you know, but then I thought, well. Can't let them see this. That's right. Here you go, dude. It's, you're a professional. You're going to you, you can quit, but that's not a good idea. No. So well, the point is, it worked out just this. fine. And one of my illustrious lines was, um, I'm shooting and Al is over here directing, and I look over outside, and I say, where's the cum shot? Yeah. And yeah, I... Yeah. I do remember you now. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's his, and, I wasn't sure if it was you or the or Al that said... No, it was me. Yeah. And here's the great, the most beautiful part of that story. Cut to 15, 16 years later. Oh, I'm in, our, in my home here. I'm, I'm, I'm asleep, and my son had a couple of buddies over, and they're watching... Oh. TV, my son comes in the bedroom, comes to my side of the bed, and he says, hey, Dad. I said, you okay, buddy? He said, yeah. Were you in a movie called Body Double? And his, his buddies had been watching it. And he said, I, 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 one of his friends has said, I think your dad is in this movie. And so they watched it, and they froze it on me. And I said, and my wife started laughing. She said, oh, my God. Oh my God! Here we are, 16 years later, and you did that movie when uh, you know when our son Ash was born, and yeah. um, here I was in my mid 30s, and my kid said, "Is that you in Body Double?" And it was. So yeah, I own it. It's, it's, I a great, it. it's a great line. It's a great moment. Isn't that great. It's, it's one of the few. And I rewatched it recently. It was one of the the main things I, I remembered from seeing it as a, like as a teenager myself back when it came on like HBO or yeah. whatever back in the day. Cause I don't think I saw it in the theater. A friend, an older friend of mine said, Hey, you gotta watch the movie body double. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a pretty intense movie. Freak. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I, 
and so yeah i people ask me now as i've gotten older and i've had uh, you know stuff that's ended up on the internet and youtube and all that um gosh do you regret a b and c and the i don't i don't no, because no. um uh, uh if if someone pays me i have the choice to say yes or no obviously right. you make decisions uh, and i don't i don't regret working on body double my point is that once once i take money from someone as an adult who is capable of making rational decisions shame on me if 10 years later i say boy that was a piece of junk well you cash you have no problem cashing a check yeah so yeah. you know good or bad <laughs> i own it and um i appreciate you asking yeah no, I was, when i saw that i was like i have to ask about body double of course um, but uh, so let me let me skip ahead to now you know um do you does COVID prevent you from working or is it actually still kind of work out okay because it's you alone in a booth? Right. I am. Um, well, I'm working primarily from home. I really, during COVID, yeah, like tomorrow I'm doing an episode of Animaniacs um, uh, here, from here at home. Yesterday, yesterday, yeah, yesterday and Monday I did an episode of Curious George for PBS from here. Um, I... Uh, because of the new technology like we're dealing with right now i can do stuff in a reasonably quiet room um that is broadcast quality uh, but i will always prefer being in a studio i love being around the other actors a high tide raises all boats when i'm in a room with billy west or tress mcneil or mark hamill or maurice lamarche or Tara Strong, the, the usual suspects. Yeah, it it makes me better, and it's also a whole lot of fun. Um, so, while I am so grateful because, as we know, there are millions who can't work, and right. I'm able, and even people in this business who do live action, a lot of that is still shut down, yeah. um, and I'm able to work from home. So I am really fortunate. And the upshot about all of it is that my job is is I'm in the happy business. I mean, yeah. all I got to do is start talking like Carl Weezer and, you know, everybody loves Jimmy Neutron or they love Pinky or Yakko or Raphael. And it's just, it's a wonderful way to, you know, go through life. So, yeah, yeah I can still work and I'm working all the time. It's great. Well, um, another interesting thing. I saw in your resume, and I don't know if it's out, but did you do an animated film with Rob Zombie? Yes, it was years ago, and it has been out for years. It was called... Okay. Um, um, I didn't catch the title. I saw... Yeah, I, I would have to think about... Um, it was something yeah, kind of dark and probably... It was. It was a dark... God, it had Nazi bikers in it, um, and Rob is cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big uh, death metal guy um I, i'm a rock and roll junkie i'm just not a big uh you know white zombie um um what's the uh um slipknot i That's, totally under yeah, yeah you know black flag um but i when i went to work with rob he he was so freaking cool yeah. just loved him and the first thing he said was, dude, I'm such a fan, and I hired you because of this and that, and I, thank you for coming. Thank me for coming. And and then he said, uh, okay, here's the script, but I, I totally trust you. Um, 
give me, I have a, you know, big improv back background, which serves me well in this particular job. I, I want your input. I crave your, his direction was basically try that again. You know what? Try what you did before. Only try this. And it was never, no, 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 no. Or stick to the script. It was right. a glorious way to work. He could not have been nicer. And I, I, I didn't expect him not to be. Right. But, uh, it was um, uh, really one of the, I've had a, thousands of great experiences, but working with a guy who was a bona fide rock star who had no ego yeah. and just wanted me to help his project be better is really cool for, for a guy like me who's a non-movie star. You know, I'm just a, mm -hmm. I'm a regular actor. I'm good at my job and I'm, I get better and better. But when you get hired by somebody who has a presence who's, whose name is recognizable, you know, um, often it's about them, not with Rob. It was about, hey, man, you're really helping me out, and, and I totally need you. And I'm sure he was that way with everybody. Um, it, was, yeah. uh, it was a really great experience. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting guy because he's really, unlike some people that do, like, a lot of that stuff for shock, and he's really... Mm -hmm really into all the stuff that he's into and he's got like a you know i i can't imagine walking around with that hair but other than well, he's a he, he's a total businessman yeah he has, he's, he's supposed to be really cool oh he's very cool and and his i it's not you know i don't know him personally but um you know he's directed um house of a thousand corpses and and has done a really good job in the horror genre of directing films yeah um but when, for the few hours that I spent with him, it was pretty clear that while he may be fully invested in, you know, shock rock, it's clearly a business decision. He's got a brand. It works perfectly for him. When he was talking to me, it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't like uh, stepping outside every five minutes to get stoned or living the rock star life. It was yeah. total pro, focused, very articulate, super bright, um, knows what he wants, understands that you can bring something to the party. In other words, it was just like I put on my Rob Zombie hat when I got 10,000 people in front of me that want to hear White Zombie. Yeah. And and then I go home and I, I still have tattoos on my face, but I go home and I play with the dog and, you know, help with the laundry and then go direct my movie and then I put my yeah. Rob Zombie hat back on and go on tour. And I, I, it was really an interesting experience and nothing but positive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know about, I mean, I've known his other work, but I didn't know about this animated film until I saw it in your credits. Yeah. Like, that's that's one that passed me by, so. I had yeah, it was pretty cool. It's, I'm in it, Chris Hardwick's in it. Um, Tom Papa? I don't know. Um, yeah, and I can't remember the name of it right off the bat, but if you just Google Rob Zombie animated feature, it, you'll, yeah, yeah. it'll come I, I don't recall it either, and I just, I just saw it, like, because I, I went to rescan all your stuff, and oh, yeah. that one missed me before. Oh, um, it'll, it's, it'll be there. Yeah. But um, yeah, tell me a little bit about the segue into video games. Oh. Um, that Because that's an interesting thing. That's something that really kind of came up more starting in the 90s. When, yes. When, com when computer games became a little more advanced, right? Exactly. And um, again, it was a logical continuation of the technology that started presenting itself. And so 
typically, hey man, you ever, you know, I got a, a video game that needs a character and great. Um, my process, my process is no different. It's just a same kind of microphone, same kind of yeah. vibe, only it's in a video game. Um, I'm not a gamer and I, my kid is an expert gamer and is involved in the video game business now. Um, but I probably did, I mean, I've done maybe 20 or 30 games. Um, I am not, not even close to being one of the premier video game yeah. actors like Troy Baker or Nolan North or, um, uh, you know, the, the lots of incredibly talented people, yeah. uh, uh, um, Elias Tufexis, people who do a lot of that stuff, Jennifer Hale. Um, I, um, I've done a few, the, the, I, I did have an experience one day years ago, I came home from work and my son was in college at the time and uh, was home for a while. And I got home and he kind of flipped out. He said, oh my God, dad, why didn't you tell me that you were um, cyborg ninja? And I said, what the hell is cyborg ninja? He said, this is you, right? And I, I said, I mean, he showed me the picture. And I said, I don't know, man. I don't even know what you're talking about. He said, this is from a game called Metal Gear Solid. And I remember doing it, but it was years ago. So my kid, all the work I've done, I mean, he was a turtle fanatic. Your old yeah. man is Raphael, Pinky, Yakko, whatever. He flipped out because he's a video game junkie. And yeah. one of his probably top 10 video games is the Metal Gear series. And he couldn't believe that <laughs> I had not told him that I was you know that character um but apparently that you didn't really remember yeah and so uh yeah i've done quite a few of them but none of them have been like um um uh, uncharted or the the right. last of us or uh any of that really giant metal gear is a pretty big one metal gear is a big one i was only you know I, I think a small part but i have to say that since then, and when I, under normal circumstances, when I travel around the world to conventions to sign stuff, I get a lot of people your age um, and younger who will come up and say, oh my God, please sign my picture of Cyborg Ninja. And I had no idea that it made such an impact, but that's yeah. one of the really cool things about the video game genre, YouTube, all this technology that allows um, good and bad stuff to be out there yeah but ultimately it gives guys like me um a real shot at having a legitimate fan base um because uh it, it doesn't take much checking around to say oh this guy rob paulson wow he's done a lot of stuff i don't know if i like much of it but he's done a lot yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's worked out pretty well yeah well, let me ask you there's two 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 questions I have to ask and I, I, I'm probably going to wrap it up after that but okay um with regards to signing things do you do a lot of the comic cons or entertainment uh con things yeah I do and I love them um under nor I've been to C2E2 I don't know how many times there in Chicago yeah. um I was a kind of a semi-permanent fixture on man cow's show because man cow loves cartoons and mm -hmm. both I and my friend Maurice LaMarche who's my friend the brain and I'm pinky we got to go in and, you know, be on Mancos show a few times. I went in to promote my book. I probably was on the show four or five times. That group of folks could not have been nicer to us. Yeah. Um, and I love Chicago. Uh, 
every time I get a chance to do a convention, man, I can't get enough of it. It's exhausting, yeah. but it's again, something I ask for. Nobody forces right. me to go. I right. can't get enough of it um, because it not only is very humbling and gratifying for me, but what, I, what I've gotten to learn over the past decade of doing, I don't know, I've probably done 60 or 70 conventions over that time around the world. And I, I not only have an incredible opportunity to interact with the fan base of all these shows. Look, Brett, I don't draw them. I don't write them. I'm good at my job. But yeah. shit, I ought to be. You know, it is a deeply collaborative effort. It's not the Rob Paulson show. But there is something to be sure about the way the voice of a character and the soul of a character affects people. Same with me, with Bugs, Daffy, Flintstones, all of that. Um, but what I learn is the extent to which these characters connect with people. Honest to God, Brett, it's not false modesty. I had no idea until years ago when I started going out doing live events and people found out who I was. Um, firstly, the general reaction, whether it's 10 years ago, 10 minutes ago, or an hour from now, if somebody recognizes me at a Starbucks, all I have to do is say, hello, nurse, or hey, God, nerve. And all it does is make everybody smile. Yeah. Sometimes it makes people cry happy tears because they have a connection that I'm not aware of. And so the convention experience allows me to hear people's stories. What I generally hear is, oh my God, you're the voice of my childhood. And I know it's, it's not just me. A lot of us do this. Yeah. But the other thing that they'll say is, Mr. you know, they'll say, Mr. Paulson had a great childhood. Thank you so much for being a part of it. I can't even tell you now I share it with my kids. It's fantastic. That alone yeah. is overwhelming. But then I hear the following fairly often, Mr. Paulson, but for Ninja Turtles, Animaniacs, The Mask, The Tick, Jimmy Neutron, Fairly Odd Parents, um, Ninja Turtles, but for that stuff, my childhood would have been a mess because I was in the foster system. I never knew my parents, still don't know them, but I went to six different homes from the time I was six months old to 18. and. I was scared to death every time, but as long as there was a television, I knew that I could find you, meaning it could have been Raphael, Pinky, Yakko. And that's yeah. the stuff that changed my life and, and why I can't get enough of it. Because it turns out, Brett, that these characters are way bigger than a paycheck. They're way yeah. bigger than the way I put food on the table or the sale of an action figure or a rating point. These characters get people through impossibly different, difficult times, often like through the death of their mother when they were 12, something that I can never, never comprehend. And they're, they've found their way to, to take the time out of their lives to tell me, you gotta, you gotta know what Ninja Turtles means to me, Mr. Paulson, I'm, I'm fine now. Here are my kids. I'm 36. This is my wife. We're all wearing Ninja Turtle stuff. It was worth the drive from Iowa to meet you in Chicago right. and stand in line and get a hotel room just to tell you what Ninja Turtle. Brett, are you kidding me? Yeah. 
I, I don't even know how to, and I've, I've told this story and I'll tell it a million more times, but it is never not overwhelming to me. Um, and so it, it, my work has taken on a completely different complexion because I know how important it is. It's fun, it pays well, but long after I'm dead, there will be people as a result of this wonderful collaboration with artists and writers and stuff that I've had the incredible good fortune to do, who will be, whose, whose burden, sounds kind of extent, existential, but whose literal burden will be made lighter because of a freaking cartoon show. Yeah. And, and that's the God's honest truth, Brett. I, I don't even know how to quantify that compliment. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's you know, to be honest, I, I, TV has become uh, or has been for quite a while or films or whatever, you know, you're watching uh, music is a thing. It's a it's a bit of a, oh, I don't know, a healing device in a lot of ways for a lot of people because they're taking, you know, uh, especially nowadays when people can easily, it's not like when we were growing up where, um, we had to watch it when it was on or else you wouldn't see it. Absolutely right. You could get rid of it as soon as you start watching it if you're not into it, but also right. also the ability to rewatch and re anytime. You know. Yeah. Great. So which means that, you know, people especially if something's somebody's rewatching something, it obviously means a lot to them and it, it yes. helps, helps out in their lives in some way. Oh my God. And it, it truly does. And I've got the anecdotal experience over and over and over again. And now, with so many folks uh, and uh, who have children on the, on the autism spectrum, I am learning how often one of the characters that I happen to be part of happens to be the shiny metal, uh, I'm sorry, the shiny object for a young man or woman to get out of their head, to get out of their autism. Mm -hmm. uh, and the experience of seeing two parents who have brought their adult child to meet Yakko, Pinky, Raphael, whatever. And that young man or woman has a really difficult time with very loud uh, sensory overload, right? Um, and their parents uh, obviously love that child as much as they love any of the other children or, or dedicate their lives to helping. That young man or woman may for the rest of their lives need some help. They may have yeah, trouble yeah. buying a Slurpee, going to the grocery store by themselves. But when it comes to this particular character, they snap onto it. They, they, United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, they know all the words. And when I see the parents standing behind their, you know, 30 year old daughter whom they brought to meet Pinky, because that is, her Jones and for that five or ten minutes that sweet young girl is just like everybody else at C2E2 the other 50,000 people who are there are doing the same thing this young woman is doing they're laughing they're having ball a ball they're utterly inclusive and mom and dad are standing behind her crying because for 10 minutes they're going oh my god this is just a little slice of normalcy and I see it over and over again. It's it's just incredible. So yeah. this has all happened as a result of the ubiquity of Comic Cons and social media and like you said, being able to watch stuff over and over again yeah. at will and and it allows me to see 
how important this is. And I, I, I will never in a million years take it for granted, ever. It's, it's wonderful. And may I say, sure. guys like you who give me the opportunity to say my piece, um, <laughs> you know, you're providing a huge service for me. This is a privilege that you are allowing me to be on your show. We never know when someone who's going to be listening to, to what you're allowing me to do, Brett, yeah. is going to say, wow, you know, maybe I'm going to take my kid. My kid loves Batman. I just found out that Kevin Conroy is going to be, going to be at C2E2. You know what? Hey, buddy, how'd you like to meet Batman? You love Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. That actor is going to, you want to meet him? Uh, and you're allowing people to understand what's out there. So it turns out that we really are all in this together and we're helping yeah. people out, man. So it's because of people like you that I get to do this. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of having the time to talk to you. I, I, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting how I choose people to speak to. Now, I wasn't like a huge, um, I, I didn't have a huge knowledge of your work. Obviously, I've known some. Who cares? But yeah. I thought, you know, your work it's interesting enough to have you know find out more about you and i, I thank I you i definitely have found uh found you to be an interesting person to talk to today and i appreciate you taking the time and i think the segment we ended on is about as perfect thank uh, you buddy end as possible because i think uh i think a lot of people need to remember about gratitude oh. and, and love and especially in this time when everybody's really kind of getting burned out you know man you you hit the nail on the head, buddy. Um, it turns out I've done TED Talks and a lot of public speaking. Clearly, I was aptly cast as Yakko because I'm shut up for 47 minutes. But <laughs> it really does. Um, it turns out that gratitude, empathy, kindness, love, courage, like, like love, come from the most unexpected places. Um, yeah. And one of which is cartoon characters. Uh, there may be people in the audience listening and watching saying, well, yeah, dude, I mean, I love Ninja Turtles, but it's so much deeper than that. And when I see how people react and they tell me the stories of really intense stories that were made easier yeah. by my work or the people who do this work It's impossible to, yeah. to tell people how much that means to me. And so, um, yeah, I am, I'm all about laughter being the best medicine because the cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. And, yeah. uh, and we're all in this together, baby, so we might as well laugh. I, I hear that. Well, again, Rob, thank you very much for taking the time today to talk. Uh, I wish you continued health and good luck. And um, well, hopefully we all get out of this sooner rather than later and you can get back in the studio. We will, my friend. And I look forward to meeting you one of these days in person. It would be my great pleasure. Thanks that for That would be awesome. Me. Yeah. Thank you very much. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Bye-bye.